Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Good to be with you guys today. I'm glad to have you out on our week four of our new series um, called The Seven. So we're about halfway through this series. And go ahead and turn in your copy of God's Word to Revelation 2 verse 12. Revelation 2 verse 12. If you happen to be a first-time guest with us, I want to say thank you for uh, worshiping with us today and being our guest. Um, if you got your uh, connection card, make sure you turn that into the blue basket beside the TV so we can stay in touch with you. Um, I'd love to let you know what's happening at Thrive. And then also, too, something between now and December 30th is happening here at Thrive. What we're going to be doing is the Expand Campaign. And the key is this, uh, we uh, don't have our permanent occupancy permit here at Thrive. We don't have that yet. And so a lot of our, our um, focus is getting our permanent occupancy permit. Well, why is that important, Pastor Kevin? Who cares? God doesn't care about buildings. Yeah, God doesn't care about buildings, but God cares about people, right? Okay. Um, do you realize that if we would not have went to two services, many of you would not be here today? Because there would be no, no seats for you. So our expand plan last year was to go to two services. Can I tell you a little secret? I ain't going to three services. Um, it's a lot of work. And all the staff, all the kids, workers said amen up there. Hear them? No, yes, you can't. But here's our goal for, for um, between now and December 30th is um, we're looking to, to raise here um, $40,000. You say, wow, I don't have 40000 But if everybody gave a little bit, we could almost meet that goal. I believe we could. Um, and what we want to do is pave that side parking lot over there. And here's what we do. Once we get our permanent occupancy permit, we can then redraw our, our, our architecture and blueprints to be able to house um, more people in this church. And well, I'm going to tell you something, I'm not going to go into a bunch of debt to do it. We're going to do it very cheaply because um, I do believe God's not concerned with buildings, but buildings should always be a way to build people. You don't build buildings um, for the sake of buildings. You build buildings in order to build people. And you're sitting here today because somebody decided to sacrifice, right? Somebody decided uh, to say, you know what, I believe the work of God is important. So as you leave today, um, there's a little black table as you leave with, um, with, a, with an envelope. And what I want you to do is this. There's no gimmicks. There's no, you know, manipulation. And, you know, you'll get all your debts will be canceled if you give. I, I don't know. I don't know if that happens for you. That's awesome. Um, there's no singing angels in the back you can get for your donation or magic oil. There's no magic cloths. Um, here's the deal. Uh, worship, uh, giving should be worship. And as you take one of those, uh, those little envelopes, I want you to pray and ask the Lord, what would you have us do? And, and it may be a dollar. It may be, um, you know, 20 cents. It may be for you 40000 You may be for my check for $40,000. Anybody in takers in here? Um, I see that hand. But uh, so whatever the Lord leads you to do, um, do that. And that's what I ask. But I do ask you to ask the Lord and pray um, and ask him, what would you have do? Because 100 years from now, my prayer is, is that there's a whole line of people that's been touched because we had a place for them to worship. And so um, just keep that in prayer. The expand campaign, you'll hear that over and over um, again. Again, there's no gimmicks. I'm just asking you to, to go to the Lord, seek the Lord, and what would he have you uh, do with that? My wife and I have prayed, and we uh, believe what we know we're supposed to give uh, to it ourselves. And I just want to encourage you uh, to do that. Well, now since the uncomfortable moment of talking about money in church is over, um, now we can move on to Scripture. Some of you have stopped sweating now, right? <laughs> Revelation 2, verse 12. Let's pray. God, we just lift you up today. We praise you for your great presence that's in this church. 
God, your presence is truly heaven to us. Now we ask, as we open your word up, God, and we look at your word today, you would let our lives be shaped according to your word, God, but never let us shape your word according to our lives. God, I pray today that we would leave encouraged and also aware of your plan for our life, Father. May your text speak to us powerfully. May I not leak into it, but God, may your word shine true to what it truly says. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In his book, I Surrender, Patrick Morley writes that the church's integrity problem is in the misconception that we can add Christ to our lives and not subtract sin. He says this here, it's a belief, it's a change in belief without a change in behavior. He goes on to say, it is revival without reformation and without repentance. And here's what George Gallup also said about this this idea of belief and behavior. He's the famous Gallup poll guy that started that. He said, there's little difference in ethical behavior between the church and the unchurched. Listen closely here. He says, there's as much pilferage and dishonesty among the churched as the unchurched. He said, I'm afraid that applies pretty much across the board. Religion per se is not really life changing. This is just his, his take on it. People cite it as more important, for instance, in overcoming depression and anxiety, but religion does not have primacy in determining behavior. And my fear in the modern day church, and we're going to look at an ancient church called Pergamum, is that we have turned Christianity into just a good self-help thing. Let's just take, remove Jesus. If you remove the word Jesus, it's basically Dr. Phil. (laughs) It's good to help me feel better. But when you follow Jesus and surrender to Jesus, he's your Lord. He's your master. The word curios means master, meaning he should direct all your affairs in life. Your belief in Christ should change your behavior. And if you've believed long enough and your behavior never changes, maybe you're not really believing. Maybe you're mentally assenting. And there's a church in the first century called Pergamum that dealt with that. And this is the third church that John um, ends up delivering a letter to that Jesus speaks about. I want to let you know about Pergamum. Uh, Pergamum was an interesting city. It was an Acropolis. And it was a very wealthy city. It was built high up on a mountain and had fortified walls. It was even so safe that Alexander the Great stored a lot of his riches there because he knew that it could not be touched. Also, history tells us this. That there in Pergamum, people would come from all over for healing therapy, music therapy. It was a therapeutic place. And so it was kind of like a Los Angeles of its day. If you imagine Hollywood, it was where all the stars wanted to live. It was a very rich city. It was also a melting pot for for gods and goddesses. Athena, Zeus, and Dionysus were all worshipped there. And so it was a city where where you saw many gods. They were pluralistic in their culture, meaning they worshipped gods. They viewed all gods as the same. Also, too, as I told you before, Domitian ruled that area and that land. And in every one of the seven churches, you got to realize Domitian had rule there. Uh, Domitian was the, the emperor, and he was crazy. Most emperors would get a coin with their face on it, um, or a dollar with their face on it after they're dead, right? Like, you guys know Benjamin Franklin and, and Abraham Lincoln and um, all those guys, they're not around anymore. 
And they didn't put their faces on dollar bills while they were living. It was after they had died. Well, Domitian decided to set up a coin with his own face on it in the first century saying, I am ruler, savior, and God. And it had him on a globe with seven stars in his right hand. That's what Jesus to the first church says, I am the one who holds the seven stars, not Domitian. So what happened was this. The Jews were protected to worship under Rome's rule. They would let them worship, but no other religion was allowed to. So what began to happen is you begin to follow Christ, Domitian would go after you because the Jews would say, yeah, but these Christians are worshiping a king. Oh, really? What king is that? Oh, his name's Jesus. And they said they would, they would defy you over Jesus. And so Domitian were ha- was having Christians killed because of that. So persecution was high in the first century in Pergamum. It was not the suburbs of Dallas or Atlanta. There was not a church on every corner. And if you're going to love Jesus and follow Jesus in that culture, you had to really love Jesus and follow Jesus. It was hard to love and follow Jesus. And if you opposed, um, if you opposed the worship of Domitian or Caesar, you would be killed. I want to look what, what Jesus says to this church in Revelation 2 verse 12. Let's start there. And you'll watch, there's a title, there's an encouragement, there's a criticism, and then there's a call to action, and then a reward. Every one of these has the same breakdown. Verse 12 says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. As I said before, there's two types to take take angel here. You realize that an angel's not going to deliver the letter or preach the sermon, right? Because this will be preached in Pergamum at the church. So there was probably a messenger. The word angelos means messenger. And so we understand there's a spiritual being. It's called angels created by God. We don't worship or talk to them or pray to them, right? We all on that, on that page together? I don't care what the lady at, at 3 o'clock on TV said to you um, and what, what, what her little testimony was. You don't do that. <laughs> angels are created beings used by God to protect and help believers and help the church. But there's also uh, physical leaders that help lead the church. And so this letter would have been delivered to um, a, a leader in the church. And here's what Jesus has to say here. He says, this is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. I like this Jesus. <laughs> this is not Jesus holding the lamb, stroking the lamb. This is Jesus with Braveheart sword. Ever seen Braveheart? This is Jesus with a huge sword. Meaning, I have authority. Meaning that, um, as you read, John the Baptist said, the axe is at the root. Jesus is not playing. He shows up with a sword. You call that a knife? This is a knife. Some of y'all got that. If you didn't, YouTube, Crocodile Dundee, I'm sure that will come up somewhere. And you can feel like you're in the loop at this point. Verse 13 says, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you remain loyal to me. Now, now, we think Richmond is bad sometimes, right? Crime is so bad in Richmond. Jesus' nickname for this city was Satan City, where he has his throne. Now, realize that literally, this is not where Satan lived. This is like Sin City. This is like Los Angeles. This is like Las Vegas. Meaning that there's ruling and reigning of sin. If you want to know where Satan's working and where demonic um, powers work, look where there has been sin and there is sin. Where there's great sin, there's great demonic influence. And Jesus says that Satan has his throne there in that city, yet you have remained loyal to me. As I said before...